Hello everybody, welcome back. My name is Josh Walker. I'm a producer and engineer at 150 Music Studios in Houston, Texas. This is the Songwriter Snack Time Show where we sit down with artists and talk about the process of songwriting and the business of being an artist. If you love music, you're in the right place. Today we sit down with Emma Bordelon. Emma is a songwriter from Galveston, Texas. She is an amazing songwriter and has a great voice. Her songs are honest and raw and authentic, and I think that'll really come across in our interview and the performance at the end. She has released a full album called The Great Healing Experiment earlier this year, and we worked together on that. And then she's also released just recently two more singles, one an acoustic version of one of the songs uh, of the fully produced album, and then another one is a new song. Um, called Mixed Emotions. So we would love for you to check her music out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you stream music from. I think Emma is at the beginning stages of an awesome career. So it was my pleasure to sit down with her and have a conversation and talk about her process for writing songs and what it's like to be a, a, an artist in today's changing uh, music business. Although this show is primarily audio and is meant to be and exist as a podcast, we're also capturing this on video. So for Facebook, or for YouTube, but on any of the devices that you listen to podcasts, I do have a specific ask today. If you'll go onto your app and leave us a star rating, leave us a review, I'd love to continue doing this show. This is episode four. By you leaving a a review for us and leaving us a rating, it really helps with the ranking on uh, and helps us be found as a podcast. So I really appreciate you. Um, That's my specific ask um, for today. I hope you guys are doing well. Let me know if you have any questions. Let's jump into the interview with Emma Bordelon. I was really attracted to your songs because of your voice. Like, I thought your voice, when you sent over those demos, like, hey, listen to these songs, I was blown away. I was like, man, she can really sing. Like, Mm. so you just feel more confident. Like, you have a background of singing, choir, school, right? Not too much, actually, like, in school other than um, college. I, uh in like high school and middle school Mm -hmm. middle school i was only in choir for one year high school i was only in choir for one year i was in every choir in high school only for that one year Uh, and the directors were mad at me they were like where have you been i sang everywhere else basically just not in school mostly uh church i think for those people they don't know like em and i worked on a project together when you released that project on facebook i saw you said Special thanks to my parents, J Mamaw and Flight Software. <laughs> Those are funny tag names uh, for supporting your interest in music and making you learn guitar when you were six, right? Yeah. So take me back to like young Emma. Like, did you, <laughs> they made you like take lessons? So my mom, when she was young, she had a really great ear for music. Really great. My uh, great aunt was a singer. Very similar to me in a lot of ways. When she, when my mom was very little, she like noticed that um, she would just hear things like in church or something, hear a hymn, and then come home and like play it on the piano. Hmm. Like she could just five years old or something. My great aunt was like, Jackie, you need to like put her in piano lessons or something. And they just never did. Like they never really let her learn anything and she was always really sad about that Mm. and um so when me and my brother were little she was like you're both going to pick an instrument and you're going to play it until i don't know till you could 
probably pick up a piece of music and play it right there. And then if you don't want to do it after that, you don't have to. Um, my brother, yeah, he what was he like play? pulling teeth. We tried to get him to play piano for so long and it's just not his thing. He's really into bass now. Oh, okay. Like really excited about it. Hmm. I just changed his strings for him for the first time. That's awesome. So that's cute. But I, uh, I picked guitar. I don't know why I picked a guitar. I think I was three when I picked it. I don't know what happened. But our youth intern at the time was like raised in our youth program because mm-hmm. that's where my parents met, actually. And uh, we had a we had a college intern, and um, he was this really intense guy, and he was going to teach me how to play guitar when i was six years old six is crazy young it's like charity is six right now so like i'm just imagining (laughs) that happening like guitar because piano is one thing because you can push the keys down but like Mm -hmm. to get someone to play a chord that's difficult like yeah kudos to that guy for (laughs) (laughs) he was so ridiculous he made me sign a contract saying i would practice i was six years old i don't know what legality is what like (laughs) That's funny. But my parents got me a Ibanez electric guitar when I was seven or eight or something, because mm-hmm. it would be a lot easier for me to push the strings down, because mm. um, usually the action is nowhere near as high as an acoustic. Yeah. Um, and I played that for a very long time, and we had this guy, I don't remember how we knew this guy, but my guitar teacher until I was like 11 or so came to our house all the time and just taught me how to play and I was a little kid and I didn't practice but like what were you learning like church songs or like no pop songs or this guy I remember thinking this was a superpower I did not know you could go to school for this I realized he went to the same school as me Hmm. and I I ended up taking like ear training but I thought it was a superpower because he could just listen to anything I played him like I want to learn how to play this and just play it back to me which I mean it is still kind of a superpower to be able to do it that well but uh yeah he I was like playing him reliant k like (laughs) i'm 10 years old i'm gonna learn a punk song um (laughs) so i definitely think like being a musician is one thing but then obviously like you're a singer too is like songwriter so like were you always singing too back then or like did playing come you played first Mm -hmm. and then at some point started singing i remember being very embarrassed singing in the backseat of our minivan when i was like 10 or something and my parents were like if you're gonna sing actually sing loud don't do that whisper singing thing that you do and I was like okay around I guess 11 or so my guitar teacher got a real job Hmm. um good for him (laughs) and uh (laughs) I was kind of on my own and I figured out like oh I could just type anything in on the internet and learn how to play it because I know these chords now because I've been playing them for a couple years so I just like I don't remember what song I typed in a song into like YouTube or um, Google or something. And I was like looking for the chords and I tried to sing it and play it at the same time. And actually I found it very easy Mm. (laughs) to just incorporate those two things together, which I don't think is normal, but um, it just, it was very instinctual. Yeah. And my voice was like, okay for an 11 year old. And uh, my mom has said, like, she was actually kind of surprised because I didn't really sing at all before then. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I sort, of, I sort of did, but not really. And When did you write your first happened. song? Do you remember what it was called? 
I do. I still play it sometimes. <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions. I... <laughs> my first song was on the ukulele, which I got when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And um, Is that easier to learn than guitar? I've thought about getting one for, for the kids. but It's definitely great for people with smaller hands, for sure. And um, some of the chords are only like one finger. So like just you just put one finger down. So they are pretty easy. I think it was like even 10 times easier than that for me because the guy who sold it to me was like, oh, you know, ukulele is just tuned like the bottom four strings of a guitar just transposed up. And I was like, oh, so I immediately started playing like Metallica on the ukulele. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Like, what do I know that's on those strings? Okay, I'll just like do that. It was really easy to figure out after that. So you started writing songs. That was like your first one. My first song was called Insanely in Love, and it was actually, I'm kind of proud of it, because it was a weird chord progression for mm. a 14-year-old to come up with, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's not bad. It's really cute. Not necessarily the quality that I write today. <laughs> Take us into how you think about music, like in regards to the songs that you're writing now. What sparks an idea for a song for you, like... I mean, you said you just mm. wrote a song yesterday, right? Yeah, like earlier I mean, this week. So it's a regular thing. It's a regular practice. It's something you're doing. But how do how do these song ideas, you know, come out of you? I spend a lot of time thinking, <laughs> a lot. Are you naturally like? Are you an introvert? You say or an extrovert? Oh, huh, well, there's the ah. thing. My next album is called Animated Introvert. I'm oh. somewhere in between. I think. Okay. I cool. Um, actually very much enjoy being around other people. Um, I, I'm just a tired extrovert, I think. (laughs) That's funny. Um, (laughs) honestly, introverted or extroverted isn't necessarily how much you talk or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really just like, where do you get your energy from? I get a lot of energy from being around people, but also I, I don't always talk. Um, sometimes I'm, I like to just like sit back and observe or listen or, do whatever. Pretty good listener, I think, um, when it comes to, you know, having conversations with mm-hmm. people. And I'm thinking all the time. So sometimes when I'm just thinking about stuff, my brain comes up with a, a, a sentence or something. And I'm like, hmm, that'd make a really good song lyric. So hmm. I write it down in my like notes section of my phone. You no melody at that point. No Not chord. really. Really, it's just like, it, whatever. It depends. Because every song I write has been different. Some of them, everything comes all at once and I'm done in like 10 minutes. Mm. And then it's just um, like refining that. Yeah. Um, And then some things, it starts with like just a sentence and it doesn't have a melody. And I write a couple sentences after that and it sits in my phone for like six months. And then I come up with... Some a similar thing happens with mm-hmm. like melodies and stuff, mm-hmm. um, or I'm playing and I just come across a couple chords that I think are really cool, and then I'm like, oh, you know what would fit really well with this? It's that thing I wrote six months ago, and sometimes mm-hmm. it takes a very long time for that song to come together, but I just have to wait for all the pieces to. Does that prevent you from thinking that any that any idea that you have is like a bad idea or whatever? Because you never know if how it might evolve. Yeah, I definitely used to think like, oh, that's not very good or something. I never delete anything anymore. Hmm. Unless it's been like two years and I think I'm really not going to use that. Um, or uh, some something I wrote 
and wrote down two years ago, my mindset has changed dramatically and I don't really believe that thing anymore. I don't feel that way anymore. Mm -hmm. Then I'll get rid of it. But unless that happens, I usually, I keep it just in case. I kind of feel like all of my songs are just like, it's a very weird way to think about music, but it's just um, sound and it's invisible. And in some ways, like the music doesn't exist Mm -hmm. until I make it exist. But in some ways, I feel like it's literally, it's always been in my brain. And I just have to wait for the right moment for it to come out. You feel like that each song has a a right timing for Definitely. creating itself, essentially. Yeah. And I have to be in the right mindset, thinking about the right things. Like, if I'm at a time in my life where I'm thinking a lot about... I mean, it's the same way if you're going... If you're like, I'm feeling very sad, I'm going to write a sad song. Typically, a lot of my songs are like, what am I going through? What have I been going mm-hmm. through for the past year? It's all about identity. So all of my songs right now are all about, like, who am I? What do I want? How do I get there? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you um, ever write songs based on other people's stories, or is it just all right now, just things that you're going I've through? I've tried. I oh, can't. Really? It's actually, it's really hard for me to write from somebody else's perspective. I use a lot of, um, what do you call that? Like the general like you mm-hmm. but most of the time I'm talking to myself and I find it really hard to write more corporate things like I'm a worship leader but I can't write worship music mm. it drives me insane because mm. I want to be able to do that so bad because I have this need for good worship music yeah. that doesn't feel um baby Christian I can't write it <laughs> it's so difficult for me everything I write doesn't feel authentic enough or good Mm. or good enough because i i don't know i think some part of me thinks that i can't um speak for everybody when it comes to like i guess those type of belief type things yeah and music and in general i'm just putting what i feel out there and then hopefully it's relatable to somebody but if it's not then it was good for me well that brings it up another question is like how do you know that what you're doing is good I guess I also think about the songs that stand out to me Mm. and I keep listening to over and over again. There's a certain thing or mood or emotion that happens to me when I hear something that I think is amazing. Essentially, I know it's subjective, but good or worth. I think that also kind of depends on the song Mm -hmm. because, yeah, it it evokes different emotions Mm -hmm. um, depending on what it's about. But (laughs) it usually gets stuck in my head. I've only ever really had that a couple of That's times where it got... usually a melody thing, right? Yeah, where it gets stuck in my head and I hate it. <laughs> That's happened a couple of times. Mm. But sometimes it gets stuck in my head and so I'm like really thinking about it a lot. And I'm like, if I'm not sick of it by now, it's good. Mm. And like, or if it's um, like the song I wrote on Monday this week, it was one of those where I like pieced it together. I had like... A verse and a chorus or something mm-hmm. a couple months ago and then i was just playing around on a on a keyboard i was like i have this idea i want to like make it super reverby and ethereal and have these different things and have this kind of theme and then the the rest of the lyrics just came out and i was like okay well, i gotta record this so i don't forget it um and i did that and i was just like listening to it because i didn't want to stop listening to it mm. um it's not to say it's like the most amazing song in the world, but it got me excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's 
that's, I think, what, what makes it good. Because there are some things that I've written that I'm like, oh, I'm never going to record that. Like, <laughs> it's so, I have a very high standard. If gotcha. I feel like it's mediocre, yeah. it's not going anywhere. Well, that's important too, because you do have to have a standard for, we are, I think, consumed with so much music out there. It's so accessible. Mm-hmm. There's so much to listen to. Like, how do you know, how do you stand out? And you have to have some sort of threshold where you're like, is this song good enough mm-hmm. to see the light of day, I guess. Sponsorship. Guys, I just want to take a second to stop and just tell you about 150 Music. 150 Music is a studio dedicated to songwriters, artists, rappers. If you're in the Houston area and you want to make the best music of your life, I'd love to help you achieve that. 150 Music has worked with such artists as Jeff Canada, AJ Santana, Brandon Williams, Santi, Omaha. We've done a lot of great work this year. Go to www. I don't know if anybody does the W anymore, but go to 150music.com and fill out the free quote request and tell me about your songs, tell me about your project, and I'd love to talk with you. If you use the discount code SNACKTIME, you get a 15% discount on our first song together. Now back to the interview with Emma. Uh, well, this show is called Snack Time. So when I eat, when I asked you what your favorite snack of choice was, <laughs> you said fruit, and I thought, oh, okay. Well, Emma, she's uh, she's uh, she's trying to be healthy with it all. Well, and then you said goldfish. You gave me something. My real favorite snack is ice cream, mm. but you can't eat dairy before you sing. Oh, um, good point. It has too much acid. And oh, I it thought it was just it, the cold, the cold aspect of it. Mm, no, if you eat um, or drink dairy or coffee. Or anything with too much acid in it, it makes you create mucus, mm. which ends up sitting on your vocal cords and like. See, this is helpful to, for my audience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I'm wrong, don't don't hate me for well, that. I'm grapes. pretty sure I'm right. I heard that from a voice professor. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, grapes have some acid in them. I appreciate the fact that. This show is called Snack Time because pretty much for the rest of the day, I get to snack on whatever <laughs> the snack is. Yeah. Choice, so it's pretty fun. A lot of create, because making music, it's a creative process. And so a lot of people find that there's a difference between, oh, I'm just going to put in the work and like schedule and like be consistent with writing as much as I can. Mm. Other people feel like I need to wait till I'm inspired to write something. Yeah. What is your philosophy on that? Like... Or do you wait for inspiration to hit, or do you, are you just constantly put, putting in the work? I think I'd like to be one of those people that's like, I'm writing songs every day and everything. But I my brain just doesn't work that way. It mm. just depends on the person, I think. I want to be a Paul McCartney and have like 500 songs, and then you can pick and choose from all of those. Um, because you are writing music every day this year. Mm-hmm. But I... <laughs> I will sit there and like stare at the wall and be like, I can come up with nothing. It's so, it's so much easier to, Hmm. I mean, I'm a fairly busy person. I don't work that many days a week, but somehow my weeks are always full of things to do Mm -hmm. and I'm all over the place. So it's a lot easier, it's a lot easier for me to be like going about my day, doing my thing. And if something happens, write it down in the moment. Mm. And then you can come back later and actually put in some work and be like, how could I make this into something? Um, But I think the trick for me is like never, 
let even the smallest inspiration go. Yes. Because you won't be able to remember. I have so many ideas where I'm like, how did that melody go? Or how did that lyric go? It's like, can't. The like memo, voice memo section of my phone. Oh, definitely. Full. Yeah. Full of stuff. Yeah. That's good. Even the bad stuff. So let's talk about being an artist for a second. I told you already, this show is not about like the fact that we are already making millions of dollars because we're writing songs that are like that. (laughs) But this show is about the journey of being an artist. So Mm. the first thing I want to talk to you about is how do you use social social media to um, to help you as an artist to promote awareness, attention? Like, what is your strategy there? What is your Mm. goal? How do you How do you think about social media? Um, I actually didn't have any social media for my music until January when I started playing at this open mic in Clear Lake. And one of the guys there that I pretty much immediately became friends with, he was like, do you have a a Facebook or something that I can follow? And I was like, you know what? I'm about to have music like actually on like Spotify and iTunes and stuff. I should probably have social media. So... I made a Facebook and I made an Instagram and um, I make events when I have um, gigs or concerts or something and I post pictures. I think pictures are the most important thing and to have them done well. I had a friend um, from my church in Galveston take really gorgeous pictures of me on the beach in Galveston and on the strand and stuff. Gosh, I love those pictures. They are so great and i use those for instagram posts and all sorts of stuff one of them is on the inside cover of my actual physical copy of my cd just super important pictures um those get people's attention i don't know make announcements it's such a love-hate relationship you know between knowing that we need to put things out socially because that's where people are yeah but at the same time you know it's oftentimes just like a garbage heap of like, you you know, getting lost and like wasting a bunch of time or not, you know, it's just, it's hard to know the right way to use it sometimes, you know, without feeling like, you know, what's the return on, um, especially mm-hmm. when our goal is like, your goal is to be an artist. Like you want to be known, you want people to listen to your records Come see, mm-hmm. I guess the biggest win, like I think about this now with the music industry changing is that people would come see you live mm-hmm. because, you know, we can all stream any anything we want for pennies, but really selling merchandise. And I, I really thought that was cool how you have those. And I'm waiting to get my sticker eventually, but uh, you have the stickers. You <laughs> I'll have bring the, you one next okay, time. Sweet. So you have a lot of cool merchandise. Yeah, Which I designed I, it I mean, all did myself. Did you intentionally? I mean, you you had to put work into that, right? Like, yeah. So I was paying attention when I was doing all those house concerts with Brandon. Mm. I mean, he's a decade older than me. He's a lot more experienced than I do, and he was already thinking about like, what am I going to do to be known? And I was just kind of on along for the ride, mm-hmm. just like playing with him and stuff. But he made T-shirts. He had CDs. We did a couple different kind of... We did a really stupid, like, <laughs> recording project in some guy's apartment, which was just weird. Hey. But, I mean, it's all part yeah. of the process. You know, totally. you got to do everything. And uh, I still have his shirt. 
I still know a lot of people who have his shirts, even though he's not working on the same project anymore. It's yeah. just like, even if I'm not, I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm not super well known outside of Galveston and my community, but so, so I feel like when I'm making merchandise and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is something like somebody really professional who makes a lot of money does. Like, mm. I don't feel like I should be doing this partially because it costs a lot of money sure. to yeah. get stuff made. Yeah. Um, it costs less if you design it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happen to be, uh, I wanted to be a artist before I was. A musician. I really like the artwork and the stuff that you've done on the EP, especially. Thanks. I feel all of like this, it fits your vibe. Yeah. All the pictures for the album art and stuff, other than the one of me, are things that I took in a place that's really important to me. The art on the shirts is is like my handwriting and it's um, like my sketch and stuff. And that's cool because I get to put a different side of me into this project as well. Yeah, Not yeah. just the musician side. Yeah, that's really cool. The side I hate is the business side. Well, <laughs> that's the worst. I think a lot of people hate the business side. <laughs> what does success for you look like? I mean, full-time artist, like what does it mean for you mm-hmm. to, or maybe you feel like you're successful right now. Like what does it mean to, to mm-hmm. be successful? Thankfully, I'm not somebody who is too materialistic. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I don't know, just the way I was raised, I was okay with, like, not having everything. I don't know, I, like, I definitely don't want to be a really famous, like, nationally well-known artist or anything. If that happens, okay, mm-hmm. I'll go with it. Can't mm-hmm. take it back after that. But I've, I've just always kind of accepted, like, being a musician <laughs> uh, does not pay very well. Yeah. Um. You can even be every kind of musician there is, I guess. Like, you have stuff out on the internet. You can sell physical things. You can sell merchandise. You can have a different job that involves music, which I do all of those, and it still doesn't make, like, a ton of money. So I just kind of thought a lot about, like, well, I can do something that I don't hate myself for doing some other job Mm -hmm. to make money to live and be able to do what I actually want to do. And that's okay. I'm not the kind of person that like, music is my life, but it's not like I can't do many things Yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's, that's a good way to think about it because I think sometimes it's easy to feel like the misconception is that it's either zero or a mm-hmm. nationally known artist at some level where there are so many people that are finding success, you know, just so it, it doesn't take as many people, I think, as we all think it does to be successful as a mm-hmm. musician, to have a tour, to be to be picked up by someone, to open for someone, to do to do a lot of things that mm-hmm. successful people do, successful artists do. I don't think it takes um, a million people to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think in our in our minds, we think that that is what it takes you know, yeah. like for me, it doesn't take, you know, 10,000 people knowing about the studio. It takes the right 50 people to know about my studio yeah. and to work with. And that would be a, an amazing mm-hmm. life for me. You know what I mean? So, like, I think it's about perspective, you know, mm-hmm. and if you find the the wins in the small things, then then that's success. You know, at least the way I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Have you been to White Oak? The music hall? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I love. Have you been in the little room that they have upstairs? I haven't. No, just the big room. The big room. They have the big room downstairs, but they have a little room upstairs, Mm -hmm. which I think might be three of these little studios. Okay. Um, it's not big at all, but I saw a really a really great band there, and it was just like a super fun show, and I was dancing the whole time, Mm. and it wasn't full of people, but it was like a decent little crowd, and the band was great and communicated well with us and it was so fun yeah and i loved that show and i was like man if i could play in this little room Mm -hmm. i would be happy that's a goal right there yeah get in that room get in the tiny room in white oak (laughs) we're gonna reach out to them and see if we can make that happen (laughs) here's the opposite of that question so you talked about what it means for you to to win or to have success what's your biggest point of frustration i don't think it used to be this but it definitely is now in the last year little over a year, I've been writing music much faster than I have in the past. The mm-hmm. last project took two, two and a half years to write six songs. And I've written, I've actually written like 11 in a year. Wow. Nine, I think, are going to go on the next project. <laughs> so I don't know. Because of that, I just, my mindset has kind of changed from like, I do kind of need to be writing a song every couple of months. Hmm. If I'm not doing that, I get frustrated. And I'm like, why can't I be creative? Why can't I make something? That is hard. Because hmm. again, it's not necessarily about like, I'm not making enough money or like, not enough people are coming to the show or something. Because in the end, I'm just doing what I do and then hoping that other people will get something out of it rather mm-hmm. than like I'm doing this for everybody else, which is kind of a hmm. selfish way to be a musician, I think. Cause or, I mean, originally musicians are servants. Like they've always been servants. They're, Entertainment. Yeah. Their yeah. job is to entertain people. Um, <laughs> my mindset is more like I'll take care of myself and make sure that I'm okay. Hmm. And I sound okay, so you can enjoy this, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I guess you have to enjoy it, too, you know? Yeah. I don't want to hate myself for it. So, in that way, I'm I'm always in my head thinking about, like, Mm. how how creative am I being right now? And if I'm not creative, that's a a sign that I'm, like, a little burnt out. You get a lot of personal joy off of the fact that when you feel like you're being creative, Mm -hmm. whether that's writing a song, maybe performing, you feel Mm -hmm. creative and you're doing something like that. Mm -hmm. It has to be a mixture of all of those things. If I do too much of one thing, I get burnt out. Hmm. Definitely. Hmm. If I, (laughs) I get to the point where I'm like, oh, I'm not being creative. I'm in a weird funk. I have to stop all of those things. But then like, if I'm performing too much, then I put myself in the funk. If I'm worrying too much about writing, I put myself in the funk. So, like, hmm. has to be a really good balance of everything. That's cool. I just got, we just went to the 21 Pilots concert and freaking blown away by that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the way I think about it now. It has to be about an experience for people that want to come see your music or hear your music. But yeah. We're not 21 Pilots. We are local coffee shop, mm-hmm. you know, mod coffee people. I don't have a giant bridge that uh-uh. comes down from the ceiling and <laughs> I get to walk across. <laughs> right. But I still believe that at the simplest, smallest level, mm-hmm. there's room for us to think creatively about what a live experience yeah. know, could be like. Have you thought through those things like when you're, you know, trying to get live gigs or whatever? Yeah. I had a little show 
at the church I work at, um, in their like coffee room kind of narthex area for the release of my EP. And I purposely did not do it on the stage where the drums are, mm. which are the drums that we use to record it. Mm-hmm. I did it in this other smaller room. I wanted it to feel more intimate and I wanted it to be very purposely, purposefully different than what we recorded because they can go and listen to that on Spotify or iTunes. It actually, I think, compels people to go and listen to your stuff because they're like, oh, it sounds like this when you mm. hear it live. What does the other version sound like? Which is also why I wanted to, to record two different versions of yes. a couple of the songs. Well, and so are, when you play a song live, do you tweak the arrangement or kind of do it vocally a little bit different? Or like, do you perform yeah, it, it a little depends. bit Yeah, it depends. I usually don't tweak it too much. But there's a certain energy... Yeah. That happens when you... Yeah. And sometimes it's usually a lot more um, basic because it's either just me or Mm -hmm. I have like one or two musicians with me. Yeah. And even that is enough to make it, you know, really different. It's a different experience. Let me end by asking a self-serving question (laughs) because we did work on an EP together. What was your... Think through that whole experience and I guess what was like... What stood out to you about that process? Anything surprise you about that process or think oh, about I, the finished yeah. record where it started everything in between what stood out <laughs> to you about that i liked it so much more than i thought i would were you nervous about recording like making a record like that i mean you had great musicians to be a part of it yeah which is cool it was cool anxious but like in a good way like really excited about like how it was going to come together mm-hmm because some of those songs, I did not know how it was going to come together. I did not have any idea what we were going to do with it. Like, how are we going to turn this thing that I wrote into something that sounds really great? Because right now I'm like, eh, it's really, like, not my favorite thing. And then, like, hmm. oh, my gosh, Summer. The song Summer, everybody loves. Really? I hate playing it live because Crazy. it's just me. And yeah. I I know what it sounds like when... Um, when everything is there, but everybody wants That's me to play one. that song. Wow. That's the one. It's crazy, right? Like me off. the ones you don't think people <laughs> would love the most yeah. seem to get the most reaction in some ways. Like I've heard that over and over mm-hmm. again. I really liked that process of putting everything together. Yeah, it's almost like when you take each piece of the puzzle and you try to enhance or like be creative or like be intentional. With mm-hmm. what is the bass part going to do, and what how does that complement what the drums are doing? And then when you start putting, you know, Brian on the electric, and he's doing some mm-hmm. I- ideas, and it's like it really starts to like take a shape that you didn't expect, mm-hmm. you know. And it's almost like I love the idea of being a solo artist, but really we all have teams of people that are helping us creatively mm-hmm. put something together that in the end hopefully it's the best version of that song yeah. you know what i mean i think it's a lot like the way that i paint actually hmm. um i was wondering if you still paint or you still do all the art time stuff. oh really? yeah my room looks like a little art museum <laughs> cool <laughs> i'm running out of space on my walls if i'm painting a landscape usually i start with the sky just like the really basic color of the sky if it's a gradient whatever it is mm-hmm. paint that and then you have to layer everything on top you do the faraway stuff you do the closer stuff, you do hmm. the details. So to me, like scratch tracks, that's the foundation, that's the sky. And then like you're building on top of that. Then like Nathan on the drums, that's like 
the background. That's like the like for a painting, that's the foundation, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. And then you keep layering things and then like Brian sprinkling in some cool extra guitar riffs. That's like the little details in the very yes. front that you can see really clearly. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a similar type of process. And then you bring in the main characters, your voice. Yeah. And then the layering. See, that's what I loved about your project was there was just so many people I work with don't even know how to do their own harmonies and stuff like that. So it's kind of a struggle to, to feel mm -hmm. like, cause I feel like, the harmonies and the textures and stuff are starting to nowadays like really interest me. Like how do you add a lower octave to this, but in just in this one part of the chorus and now it like feels like it's blooming a little bit more yeah. than just a one, you know, single vocal or something. But your project, we had a lot of opportunities because obviously you can, you know, experiment with melodies and harmonies and stuff. Let me just I add five parts on top of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can do that infinitely. Yeah. I really like that too. I like experimenting with harmonies because a lot of the music that I like by other people mm -hmm. does a lot of weird stuff with harmonies. And yeah. it like has like this part has some really cool dissonant dissonance in it or something. I was like, wow, how did they come up with that? Like, can I come up with something like that? So that's cool. That's, that's fun for me. <laughs> well, thank you for stopping by songwriter snack time. Yeah. And, uh, if people want to find out more about you and bring you grapes at your show, uh, <laughs> should they just go to your Facebook or what's the best way to get in touch with what you're doing? Facebook, Instagram. That's pretty much it. You don't have a website yet, right? I don't have a website. I was like, you're thinking about it, trying to make one, really? but that's, I mean, that do kind you own emmaborlon.com? Is that available? I don't No. No, should I should. <laughs> it kind of falls into the business side of being a musician Ooh, that I hate. Good point. So okay. I, yeah, booking, I hate. Mm. Money, I hate. <laughs> and I'm really bad at handling it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want to do all the artsy things. I, yeah, I can't do the let's build a website thing. <laughs> well, no. Maybe, maybe someone will hear this and be, be like, let's oh, yeah, do please build together. me a website. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, thanks again. Anything else you want to say before you... I'm good. This All is right. fun. Yeah, cool. I like grapes. Molasses dreams Black and white memories My life is just blurry
futures before me And it drives me crazy Great job. Yeah. That was great. 